0: So March 9th, 2003, about three kilometers from here, six people sat around a table believing that God wanted to keep this dead church alive. The chairman of the pastor search committee, some of you have heard me share this before, he was an American businessman, financial guy, which that's what I came out of, I was a financial manager for 20 years, and he was looking at the bank statements and everything, and he he looked up and he said, he said, on paper, this thing looks impossible. And then they offered us the job. And, uh, you know, no congregation, maybe enough money to pay us for a couple of months. Maybe, if it went well. Um, and that would be only, not a living wage, but uh, partial, partial support. Um, And we all decided to do it. There were six of us. We all decided to do it. Um, Yeah, it looked impossible, but our God knows what to do with the impossible. Amen? Now, you need to be experiencing this in your own life. (laughs) Okay? You need to be taking God at His word and doing it. When, when, when he calls you to a thing, it doesn't matter how the numbers add up. What matters is, do you believe God will show up? That's always what matters. And there's a lot of people in the world calling themselves Christians. They don't actually believe God will show up. They really don't. Now, on paper, they're willing to say, I believe him. But when it comes to their life and their livelihood and their comfort, their ease, their security, they're not really willing to believe him at all. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. So at the first, first official worship service, we had eight people. And uh, I told them that we'd have a reason to, we had every reason to believe that the church would fail. And I told them right after that, we had one reason to believe that it would not fail. Anybody know what that reason might be? <laughs> God. God is a faithful God. He's a promise keeper. He is a competent God. So it's why you're sitting here. The only reason the door is still open is because God is who He is. It's the only reasonable explanation, the only plausible explanation for I see Him being here 15 years. As I told you, um, (laughs) most of the people that invited us over didn't think we'd last this long. And of course, Karen and I just came over here open-ended. We had no idea what this would look like. We had no idea how long it would last. Uh, We just came with great joy because on paper it looked impossible. You know what that was to me? You know what that was to me and Karen? When the guy said, on paper, this looks impossible, it was like, bam. Well, this is a great opportunity for God to show up in our lives and do something really awesome. Now, I'm not saying you know, we came... uh, Without we you know we felt like we had a call here. We did. We felt like we had the call. So we just came in obedience. But the most attractive part of the offer was the fact that on paper it looked impossible. <clears throat> Psalm eighty one ten B reads like this I the Lord am your God, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. This is a verse that's very important in my life. Um, It's one reason Karen and I came. We believed we could open our mouths wide and God would fill it. Not in presumption. We didn't come in presumption. We came under call. We believed He was calling us. It didn't matter again how it added up. What mattered was He was who He is. So God says, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. What a great promise, right? What a great promise from the one who always keeps his promise. No one can stop him from keeping his promise. No one stops God. That's why the door's still open. (laughs) It it has almost nothing to do with Karen and I. It has everything to do with God and His faithfulness. So I love the implications of Psalm 81.10. Open your mouth wide and fill it, God has been faithful. George Mueller, I haven't talked about him in a long time, but he's one of my favorite guys. He's a 19th century um, minister in London, and he loved Psalm 81.10. It was based on Psalm 81.10 that he decided that the Lord was calling him to provide for orphans in London. And over his lifetime, God used him to provide for ten orphans, and the thing about Mueller was, Mueller never asked anybody for any. He never asked a man for support. He never did a fundraiser. He prayed, and God sent. Mueller loved Psalm eighty-one, ten. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Ten thousand orphans later, <laughs> Mueller was filled. With joy. I want to share with you, if you haven't ever read Mueller's um, autobiography, this little short one is really, really good. He woke up um, the morning of February 8th, 1842, and there was not enough food in the house uh, for the next day for the orphans. And he writes, There's not enough food in all the houses for the meals after today. We have not been able to buy any bread, and there's not enough money to buy milk for tomorrow morning. Coal is also needed in two houses. Indeed, as far as I know, we were never in greater poverty. Listen to what he says. But I am fully assured that the Lord will not leave us. It's possible. I don't. I didn't do the math. I didn't do the, chrono, uh, the chronology. It's possible Mueller had one thousand to two thousand orphan mouths to feed tomorrow okay he got up to 2,000 at a time 10,000 over his lifetime can you imagine having a thousand to 2,000 mouths to feed this is the the kind of um, faith that that Mueller that Mueller had one of my favorite names for God is Jehovah Jireh who knows what Jehovah Jireh means The Lord will provide. It was in the context of Abraham offering his son Isaac. The Lord provided the ram. And as I uh, heard a preacher say one time, there's always a ram in the bush. Amen? (laughs) There's always a ram in the bush. Uh, I, I get to stand here after 15 years and tell you there's always a ram in the bush. I get to do it. We came here on faith. There was no reason to come here except God called us here and God is a good and faithful God. That's the only reason. It's the only reason to come here. The, 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 the chairman of the pastor search committee actually tried to talk us out of it. He says, this is a fool's errand. I think it's a fool's errand. He was just confessing and being honest. This is what I'm, what I'm trying to say to you. This is how it looked on the front end. It looked pretty dicey. I mean, our friends and family back home said, what are you doing? What are you going over there for? You know, they can't pay you a living wage. This is where uh, we were at this moment in time. Um, Mueller didn't dislike the times when God tried his faith. Listen to what he writes in his journal. Truly it is worth being poor and greatly tried in faith for the sake of having such precious daily proof of the loving interest which our kind Father takes in everything that concerns us. Let me, let me just say this. For George Mueller, the way George Mueller lived, and we're not all called to live this way, okay? But if you're a Christian, you are called to be a disciple and you are called to obey. Whatever that looks like. I don't know what it looks like in your life. I'm telling you a little bit about what it looks like in Karen in my life. God, listen to Mueller, God was palpably real every day at mealtime. God was real every day at mealtime. I know we all take it for granted. We have a meal on the table. It wasn't like that for Mueller. Every day it was praising God for this meal to feed 1,000 or 2,000 mouths. That's how it was. The Lord will provide. I like how one uh, Hebrew scholar translated it. This is my favorite. The Lord will see to it. Right? The Lord will see to it. And I, I get to stand here today and maybe have some license and say to you, uh, as as a Christian man, I've walked with God for 35 years. I can tell you God will see to it. All you have to do is show up. That's all you have to do. You call yourself a Christian, show up. Show up when God calls you to do a thing. Show up. He'll do the rest of it. I've always said this. Karen and I are like, We're like on a surfboard. That's my analogy. He's the wave. He's the power. He's the direction. He's the force. He's the timing. He's everything. All we do is keep our balance, right? This is what, to me, this is kind of what Christianity is. It's just just keeping your balance and staying on God. God said, I, the Lord, am your God. Open your mouth wide and I will Fill it. Mueller believed it and he did one more thing that I hope I can challenge all of you in here tonight who are believers. Not just believe it on paper, but go do it. I don't know what that looks like in your life. I have no idea what it looks like in your life. We're all called to different things. But if you believe He's a promise keeper, my challenge to you from the text tonight is go do it. So Mueller opened his mouth really, really, really wide. And God fed, housed, clothed, educated, and evangelized 10,000 orphans. You know, we come in here and we sing. Uh, praise God we have people who can lead us in music. It used to be me and Karen. It was not so good. Um, but we, uh, we we don't just come in here and sing about God's faithfulness. We're supposed to take our seventy eight point six nine years and live it out. Listen, you will not be sorry. On the other side, you will not be sorry when you look back and think, Man, I could have had a you know, I could have had that that beamer. I could have had that beamer. Or I could have had that house on the lake, or I, I could have had X, I could have had Y. You're not going to care at all. I promise you, you will not care at all. What you gave up, air quotes, gave up. You don't ever give anything to God. (laughs) that He doesn't multiply it back to you a hundredfold. Someone tell me, one of you smart people, what is a hundredfold return? I know this because I looked it up. Not because I'm good at math. 10,000%. Ten thousand percent you want a ten thousand percent return on your life or you just want to float through it's up to you you know it's, it's, it's an awesome thing what god says you do whatever you want but here i am you know here i am open your mouth wide and i'll feel it yeah go do what you want it's up to you i give you free will you exercise your will go do what you want but here i am If you want me, you can have me and you can walk with me and I'll blow your heart up. It's what we've been talking a little bit about in the Gospel of John. So you guys know the book of Lamentations. You know that Jeremiah is lamenting the the judgment of God, um, the righteous judgment of God upon Jerusalem. It's it's as bad as it can get. And yes, I want to say this. I'll, I'll quote a theologian here in a few minutes. God is faithful in His judgment. He's threatened judgment. You can count on it. It's not like He's going to change His mind. He says, if you're a rebel, I'll judge you. He's faithful in that even as He is faithful in salvation. God is faithful to His Word whether it's for salvation or judgment. But shockingly, in the middle of lamentations is, as you know, most likely the most beautiful verse about God's faithfulness, right? Lamentations 3. You might want to turn there if you'd like. Lamentations 3, verse 21. But before you get to 21, these are the words of Jeremiah. I am filled with bitterness. I have forgotten happiness. My strength has perished. Now, one thing I love to say to you all the time is that bad theology hurts people. Bad theology Hurts people. And when the crisis comes, many professing Christians forget their belief in their theology. As we noted last week or the week before, as one Christian theologian said, many professed Christians, they act like pagans in a crisis. There's no real faith there at all. It's all academic. It's all on paper. It's all just a Sunday morning ruse. Right? Jeremiah, he's hit the wall. It's about as bad as it can get. If you ever read some of the history of this judgment, it is indeed bad. And wrong thinking about God at this moment could bring despair, depression, and long-lasting bitterness. What Jeremiah needed was Biblical theology. What he needed was to remember what his mama taught him <laughs> about the God of the Bible. Because the truth about the God of the Bible brings light to darkness. It brings hope to despair. And it turns sorrow into the most... I, I think the, the word that is used least and maybe should be used most in Christian context is anticipation. Anticipation if you don't anticipate what God is going to do in your life and in your circumstance, I, think, I don't think you're thinking right about God at all. You're going to see this next few verses filled with anticipation. As Jeremiah talks about the faithfulness of God. I'm going to stop before I read the text. I'm going to stop and ask you is your theology merged into your life? <laughs> Is, it, you know, we, we talked a lot about it last, last year. We were in that book, "Awe," we went through the young adults with. And, and, and the point that I got from that book uh, it was trip uh, driving home the point that you've got to bring the awe down into the minutiae. if god 's not in the minutiae, I think you have every reason to question. Uh, you know, where you are with Him, you're supposed to bring God down into the minutia. You're supposed to be in awe in the minutia. God's in it. God's in the minutia. He's not just in the big things. We always say, oh yeah, He's in the big things. He's in the little things too. He's in the little things as well. So you must, you should, you need to get God down into the details of your life. I'm always astonished, <laughs> you know, people I meet, and it's just all academic. It doesn't ever change. Life. I seldom quote Bon Jovi. But um, I love the way he sang it. I just want to live while I'm alive. And this is what I'm calling you to. Now you can inhale and exhale till you die. Great. You know, dogs do that. Cats do that. Goldfish do that. Your pet can do that. I'm calling you to live. You know, like the Braveheart thing? Who knows the line I'm I'm about to give you? The Braveheart movie. That's an old movie. It's one of my favorite movies. It's a little rough. A little rough and tumble. It's a Scottish thing. Um, remember, Braveheart's woman comes to him and says, oh, you're going to die, you're going to die. What does he say? Every man dies, but not every man really lives. And I'm calling you to live tonight, okay? Let me, get, let me just read Lamentations to you. Verse 21. You know the text. Okay, Jeremiah. You heard me read it, Right? He says, I'm filled with bitterness. I have have, uh, forsaken happiness. My strength has perished. My strength has perished. And then he says this a few verses later Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed in his outward circumstance. And I want you to listen. He's preaching to himself. It's what I tell you guys all the time. You've got to learn to preach to yourself. Listen to what he says. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have what? He has hope. It's as bad as it can be, but he has hope. He goes on. The Lord's loving kindness says, plural, indeed never cease. (laughs) This is why Paul's in jail and he's praising God. Paul's about to be beheaded and he knows it and he's praising God. This is how real God means to be in the lives of His people. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. Amen? Great is Thy faithfulness. <laughs> he's, a, he's a competent God. <laughs> you can obey Him with glad, reckless joy. He will show up. So Jeremiah remembers what his mama taught him about Jehovah God. And in the midst of utter despair and difficulty and hardship, he begins, his, his spirit begins to well up with great hope, imperishable hope, in who God is. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are right now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've got to get this out of your head that what matters is my circumstance. Wrong! What matters is your God is God. That's what matters. And he can change that circumstance in a heartbeat. And often does. Listen, some of you are living like, you know, right here on your circumstance, man. That's all you can see. You're just myopic. You know, you just look at the you're just looking at the circumstance. What I'm saying to you, look up. Look up. Look at God. Look at who God is. Look at what God has said to you. He has made these amazing promises. And here's what I want to say to you about Jeremiah, and I don't want you to ever forget this. I hope you never forget this. Some of you have heard me say it before. Jeremiah would not let his circumstance dictate his view of God. He let his view of God dictate to his circumstance. This is what Jeremiah is doing. Circumstance hasn't changed. He's praising God for God's faithfulness. He would not let Circumstance dictate to him how he thought about God. And I can't tell you how many Christians I've counseled with who simply need to learn this one thing. They just need to learn this one thing. They can just learn this one thing. Circumstance doesn't define my God. My God defines the circumstance. And He will work work through it for my good. Romans 8.28 is always true. It's always true. It's never not true. It's true every day. You roll out of bed. This is equivalent, in my view, the New Testament equivalent to this is Paul in chapter 4, Philippians 12 and 13. You know the text. Paul says, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. What's the secret? God's the secret. Jesus Christ is the secret. He's the ultimate reality in the cosmos. Everything else is passing away. Okay? Apart from what he plans to do in the new heaven and new earth. Paul says, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. It doesn't matter! It doesn't matter, he says. God's my bread. God's my meat. God's my drink. He says, I I have learned to, to, to live with abundance and to suffer need. How does he do it? I can do all things through my positive name it and claim it, prosperity, false gospel. No! I look at God. I look at God. I look at the biblical God. Not the cartoon one. The real one. And he happily says, To live is Christ, to die is gain. Are you getting the sense of how personal this is? You know, I always like to bring it back here for you. This is personal with God. If you claim to be a Christian, it's personal with God. If you think it's academic, you've not understood. It's personal. God means for it to be personal. In the minutiae, it's personal. Where you how you surf the internet. Where you go, what you look at, how you talk, how you do your job, how you prosecute your studies, how you raise your kids how, kids, how you kids respond to your parents, it all matters. You think, some of you, you're not even conscious of the fact that God sees everything. And you will stand before your Creator soon. We all will. The Apostle Paul. (laughs) It's just theology invading reality, right? He quit his job. God was faithful. He left his religion. God was faithful. He got a new job. He became a missionary. God was faithful. He did the unprecedented. No one had ever planted churches. God was faithful. He was beaten, stoned, shipwrecked. God was faithful. He was arrested and stood before a king. God was faithful. He was imprisoned. God was faithful. He was martyred and God was faithful. So you go ask Paul when you see The only regrets he'll ever have is the day he didn't fully embrace the awe of God in his life. Hey man, I'm just trying to set some of you free. Okay? (laughs) Again, it's your call. God says, hey, you're grown-ups. I've given you a good mind. You do what you want to do. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Right? You know... You go live this life, God, this gift of life God's given you. Go live it. But I'm trying to set some of you free as God continues to try to set me free. So Paul had this radiant confidence. I'm just going to ask do you have radiant confidence in God like the men and women of Hebrews 11? They would not let their circumstance dictate their view of God. They did exactly the opposite. I don't want you to forget this. Don't let your circumstance dictate your view of God. Let your view of God dictate to your circumstances. Okay, so have I said that enough? Will you walk out of here with that ringing in your ears? I hope that you do... Do you really believe that your God is God? Do you really believe He's faithful? If you really believe that, are you living that? And my next question maybe is the hardest. If you're not living that, I'm going to say, why aren't you? If you claim to be His, why aren't you living that? There are no excuses. You've heard me say it many times. God has left nothing undone that you might be a glad, reckless, joy, obedient disciple. <laughs> He's left nothing undone. Whatever your context, whatever your orbit, you know, again, we're all called to different things. But what are you doing in your orbit? I've got eight passages here about the faithfulness of God. And that's what I want 15th, the 15th anniversary to be about. The 15th anniversary of ICM. It's all about God. It has almost nothing to do with Karen and I. You know, you could, if you could teach a chimp to talk, you could put a chimp here. And, and he could do this, right? It's about, God. it's about God. It's about what God wants to do. All he needs is a tongue. He spoke through a donkey one time. He doesn't need my tongue. But I'm going to share eight passages with you from the Bible. Numbers twenty Don't worry about going there. If you want my list, you can have them. I'll send you my notes. God is not a man that He should lie nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said and will He not do it? Moses says, right? Or has He spoken and will He not make it good? You can hear the sarcasm here. Like, who's going to stop him? Moses is saying, Who's going to stop Jehovah God? Who's going to stop I am God? Moses has been in his presence. He knows how awesome he is. Like, who's going to stop him? Deuteronomy 7 9. Now, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God. He is a faithful God who keeps his promise and his loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. This thousand generation thing, this is a Jewish way of saying He'll always keep His promise. Always. Psalm 36.5 Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. This is a Jewish way of saying you cannot measure the faithfulness of God. Psalm 89, 8, O Lord, God of hosts, who is like You, O mighty Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds You. This is a Jewish way of saying His faithfulness is omnipresent. It's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. You're, you're immersed and enveloped in it. It's like the air you walk through. Psalm 146.5-6, My hope is in the Lord God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them who keeps faith forever. Right? Everlastingly He keeps faith. Isaiah 11.5 Righteousness will be the belt of His loins and faithfulness the belt around His waist. It's like a Hebrew way of saying that He never goes anywhere without His faithfulness. He's always got His belt on. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are faithless, He remains faithful for He cannot deny Himself. He is unchangingly faithful. Man, once God makes a promise to you, you can take it to the back. And you can build your life on it. And it's up to you whether you do that or not. It's up to you. But God says, I got your back. (laughs) I got your back. Hebrews uh, 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. Again, no one can stop Him. No one can stop him. No demon, no army of demons can stop him. No nation, no army of nations can stop him. You can't stop God from making every promise come true that he's made. So here's the theologian I want to quote. 20th century theologian, A.W. Pink. Listen to what he says about the faithfulness of God. Far above all finite comprehension is the unchanging faithfulness of God. He never forgets. He never fails. He never falters. He never forfeits His Word to every promise, every prophecy, every covenant, and every threatening. He will make good. He will make good. You can mark it down. There won't be one thing left undone on... The last day. Jeremiah knew it. Great is thy faithfulness. Paul knew it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mueller knew it. He opened his mouth wide and God filled him up and made provision for 10,000 orphans. This is why Christians, all down through the history of the church, have done amazing things because they believed he was God and they believed he was competent. It wasn't academic. This is why missionaries go to dangerous places. They know God'll get his people there. It's not because they're there, it's because God's because I'm bringing the word and God uses his word. This makes Christians bold and fearless. The character of God will make you bold and fearless. I know we all still struggle with our fears and anxieties. But God is just trying to set us free, man. If we're just believing. If we're just believing. You can believe and act on the promise of God because He is the I will see to it, God. This is, this is how George Miller <laughs> fed, housed, clothed, evangelized 10,000 orphans on his knees. And Mueller's story is not about Mueller? Noah's story is not about Noah. Abraham's story is not about him. Moses' story, Joshua's, David's, Mary's, Joseph's, Peter, Paul, yours, mine. It's not about you. It's about the glory of God in your life, beloved. This is this is where, you know, this is the baseline for the true believer. How can I glorify God in my life? I don't care how simple your life is. I always tell the young adults, your life matters. Your life matters. I don't care who you are, what you do. If you are a Christian, your life matters. Today it matters. Why? You have the truth. And God says, I save people with the truth. And you have it. God has graciously given it to you. You were a rebel. You shouldn't, you know, He shouldn't have been this kind to you. He should have just sent you to hell just like me but he says hey I'm gonna save Jim and I'm gonna give Jim the pleasure to proclaim my greatness and that's your job too yeah I do it for I do it for a living you have a harder call you're supposed to do it in your job and in your home and in your family You're supposed to go do it in the world. They won't listen to me. Oh, he gets paid to say it. You don't get paid to say it. That's why it's so powerful when you say it. Oh, he's just a preacher, man. He gets paid to say it. I'm discounted in the world. You're not. You're not. You are not discounted in the world. So, just a few moments of personal testimony here. We came to Milan, to ICM, and we are still here by the grace and faithfulness of God. Our story is not about us. Our story is about God. It's like, it's like I tell you in Hebrews 11, God's the main character. It's not about all the giants of the faith. It's about their big God. Right? <laughs> Who is faithful? I read Mueller's story back in the mid 80s and I was stunned, man. I was stunned. People can live like this. People can actually, you know, believe God and live like this. I didn't really get it, but I really wanted to learn it. I really wanted to learn it. Long story short, in early 2003, as I said earlier, three kilometers from here, we were invited by four people to replant this dead church congregation of four and there was enough money maybe for a few months there was no reason to take this job except that Psalm 8110 is true. Psalm 8110 is true. It's why we took the job. Because we wanted to live Psalm 8110. And i got to tell you, this, 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 I think I've shared this with you before, real quick. There was no money. There was no way you could forecast what God would do. With one guy, one guy, one guy, God pumped $60,000 the first year in, through one guy. Now, I could have never planned that or forecasted that. You know, he obviously was a, 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 a very successful business person, right? International business person, right? But God had this plan on the far side of eternity. Do you understand what I'm saying? On the far side of eternity past, God had this plan. Hey, if Jim and Karen will come over, hey, I'll make sure there's enough money. We weren't here 90 days and this guy shows up. <laughs> yeah, on paper. Forget the paper. <laughs> it's God. It was an amazing thing. It was an amazing thing to behold. The pastor, the the chairman of the pastor search committee, was right. Uh, He was spot on. It was a long shot then, and it's a long shot now. (laughs) I just pray for you guys. I pray that God brings. I say, Lord, just bring people. Yeah, bring people. (laughs) Um, And he just keeps bringing people. It's all him. It's all him. So we were long shot then, and we were long shot now. Many Christians never powerfully experience God's promise-keeping faithfulness because they never step out of their comfort zone. One thing I'm trying to say to you: you can. You can step out of your comfort zone. And you can walk with God, and I'll tell you as a 63-year-old. Where's maybe? There she is. 63-year-old man. God's more fun than anything else I've found in this world. Some of you don't believe it. Well, Jim's an old man. He's an old dude. You know, he probably got to get home and you know get his oxygen turned on. <laughs> That's his best high all day. No, God's my best high all day long. Man, if I could hand anything off to you, that's what I would hand off to you. God's more fun than the world. God's more fulfilling than the world. God's more exciting than the world. I don't care what you think is exciting. God is exciting. I want to quote Piper real quick. A Christian life is a call to risk. Obedience will be risky. It's always right to take that risk. The very risk... (coughs) is the means by which the value of Christ shines more brightly. So they invited us here March 9, 2003. Karen and I had to go back to the States, get our house in order, get our papers, and come here. Um, We had the same conviction that Mueller had. We would not ask anyone for money, and I still don't ask you for money. If you don't want to give money, I say don't give money. That's between you and God. I'll tell you what God says about it. It's a good thing to learn how to invest in the kingdom. You win, but I'm not. I don't ask you for money. I don't pass the plate. We didn't ask for money. We informed, but we did not solicit. So we arrived back in the states, March 2003. June 22, we began to pray for what God would do, how He would provide. June uh, 22, 2003, we had no money. Uh, committed by late September. We notified our employers that we were resigning and that we were coming to Milan to pastor this church. I still remember November 21, 2003. I remember this because I journal. If you don't journal, you should journal. Um, Sitting across the table from Karen eating the best onion rings in the world. And I said, we only have 30% of what we've been asking God for. Do you believe Him? Do you trust Him? She said, yes, I do. Hey, a godly woman is an awesome thing. I mean, and and I know for you women, a godly man, if you're not married, don't settle. Don't settle. Okay? Okay, by January January 10, 2004, God had given us 120% of what we'd asked Him for. March 8, 2004, we got on a plane. And God has provided for us these 180 months. His faithfulness is new every morning. All 5,475 of them. We've never had an unmet need. We are like, I feel, the widow Sidon as the bowl of flour is not exhausted and the jar of oil is never empty. I love to tell our story ever so briefly just because it's not about us. It's about God Every true Christian would have that testimony. So, if you want to live while you're alive, my counsel to you is to stop conforming to the wisdom of the world. Stop living by the world's assumptions. Stop building your life around your temporal security because it is an illusion. Stop being risk-averse in your walk with God. You've got to merge your biblical theology with your day-to-day reality and be unleashed from the pathetically small herd dreams of this world. They are pathetically small. And they're all going to burn up. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciple and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The fruit of abiding in God's word is freedom. Your freedom. To walk radically with Jesus Christ. It's what Christians are supposed to do. (laughs) It's what Christians have always been supposed to do. Just read your New Testament. Christians, born-again believers, lovers of Christ and disciples, they do not let their circumstance dictate their view of God. They let their view of God dictate their view of their circumstance. Brother Paul says it so beautifully in 2 Corinthians 5 7 For we walk by faith, not by sight. So we left George Mueller and the orphans kind of in a lurch. Um, I'll tell you what happened next morning. Mueller got up early, went to the orphan house to see what God had done. A brother on his way to work that morning uh, was 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 late, and he he argued with God. I'll just paraphrase. He'd argue with God. I can't go. I don't have time to go to the orphan house. I'll take something to him later. And the and the Lord pressed and pressed this uh, you know this compulsion upon him. And he went and he made a contribution to the orphan house. And so Muter says the Lord, in His faithfulness, helped us. There was enough uh, of a gift from this one man to feed the orphans. Okay. He says, Mueller says, Praise the Lord for His goodness. Praise Him that He helped us trust in Him in this trying hour. God is faithful. He is the faithful God. If He calls you to a thing, He'll see you through the thing. He will see you through the thing. And let me just close like this. Jeremiah says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. For His compassions never fail. They are new. Every morning, great is Thy faithfulness. It's why you're here right now sitting in these chairs 15 years into the impossible, 5,475 mornings of God's faithfulness. I know You can't feel what I feel. Not today. (laughs) But if you'll give yourself to God completely, fully, utterly, totally. Yeah. You'll be looking back on all of His faithfulness and you'll have a lot to say. (laughs) You'll have a lot to rejoice about. He's an awesome God who keeps every last promise. I hope you'll stay and eat with us. We're going to have a time of fellowship. Um, I'm going to pray and also give thanks for what God has provided. So let's let's bow and pray together. <clears throat> Lord, you've just offered us complete and total freedom. You've given us license to just be grown ups and live our lives. It's our choice. we can live according to the assumptions of the world or we can do your word we really can't do both we understand from the bible it's our choice so lord i pray that i pray that each of us in this room would choose you <laughs> you've left nothing undone not one thing You are God and You do whatever You please in heaven and earth. Who can turn back the outstretched arms of Jehovah God? It's our confession that no one or no thing can. So Lord, I pray that we would live out Your faithfulness, that we would bank on it, that we would have a radiant confidence in who You are (coughs) and what You do. Lord, some of us right here, right now tonight, need, our lives need to be changed. It needs to stop being academic. And it needs to be real, down into the minutia of life. So Lord, we pray that. We pray Your Spirit will come. And that You would change us. And we would not play games anymore. That we would give ourselves away as fully persuaded men and women of Jesus Christ. We ask for Your help, Father. For You know our frame. We are weak and we are dust. So have Your way with us, great God, we pray. We thank You for the food You've given tonight. We pray that You bless it to us in the mighty, matchless, wonderful, breathtaking name. Of Jesus Christ, it's in His name that we pray. The name before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The great sovereign King, Jesus Christ, we pray in His name, O Lord. Amen. Let's stand together. I'll just read a benediction and then we'll uh, do what we do. Eat with great vigor. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. Let's eat. God bless.